Welcome to the Wealthy Homes Podcast, where we help young Michigan families manage their finances and create wealth. I'm your host, Connor Bowserman, financial advisor with Preferred Financial Group. Welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Homes Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be interviewing Chris McLatcher, who is the president of Fresh Start Tax Solutions. Their firm specializes in helping individuals and small businesses with tax planning and tax resolution. So with that, Chris, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. So I know that we were kind of talking a little bit before we started or press play is, you know, our clients can sometimes be a little bit different. You know, on my side of the table, it's right. people who are usually getting finances a little bit better. And mm-hmm. I know you said you have a wide variety of different clients, but you know, our clients typically have assets and they're trying to grow them or yours may be coming in dire straits or maybe have some issues when it comes to taxes. Yeah, it's interesting. My clients, actually, it's kind of a cycle depending on the economy. If the economy is doing well, I have certain types of clients coming here. Okay. If the economy is doing bad... I have other types of clients coming Interesting. in. Interesting. Yeah. So the clients, if the economy is doing very well, uh, I get a lot of clients that are starting new businesses. So we're getting them, getting them in here. We sit down and we talk about types of businesses you can be structured as, and really how to keep your taxes as low as possible. And the real secret to, and and I'll probably repeat this a few times, the real secret to reduce taxes is not somebody like me, a CPA like me. It's keeping good records. Okay. That's the secret. Now, in a bad economy, what I have is I, I normally have people that have not paid the IRS or paid the state of Michigan. So I get those clients in here. And that's kind of what my boutique firm has done, what we've specialized in over the last 30 years, is, is helping people with the IRS okay. and state of Michigan. Makes sense. So kind of let's go back to the beginning. How'd you get into the industry? Kind yeah. of what are some background on you? For yeah, I, I'm... Um, I'm both a CPA and a tax attorney. I was uh, born and raised in Battle Creek. I uh, took a job with Ernst & Winnie, which is now Ernst & Young, mm-hmm. a large CPA firm, and they transferred me from our Detroit office out to our Boston office. Okay. We had a regional headquarters out there, and I used to do a lot with hospitals and physician groups and did a lot of that type of work, uh, reorganizations, business planning. But then I, uh, I left that company and started my own company, CPA law firm. And my first client, well, one of my first clients was a, a young gentleman of uh, Mexican descent. Okay. And his, his mom had just died. Well, she had died about two years earlier. And his dad left, left the family several years beforehand. So this young man was raising his three siblings, uh, getting them through school, working two jobs, I believe, my recollection, and just wasn't any, any claim like 13 dependents. <laughs> okay. Wasn't paying any taxes then. Okay. So about the time that his youngest sibling, a young girl, was graduating from high school, the IRS came knocking on his door and said, you haven't paid us, and you owe us a lot of money. And I don't remember exactly how much it was. Uh, I've written about it. It's in my one of my mm-hmm. uh, books that I've written. But I went and negotiated the IRS with the IRS, and we got the liability for next to nothing. I mean, he, he wow. owed, let's say, 40000 and we paid a 1000 He paid $1,000, and he walked away in the good graces of the IRS. And that kind of got me hooked because he was, by the end of the meeting with him, he was crying. He was so happy. I was happy, too. And uh, I just realized that's, that's what I want to do for a living. I just want to fight the IRS for a living because people are scared stiff of the IRS. And when you can have a uh, negotiate a good settlement for both them and the IRS. Everyone's happy and you know life life goes on. So that's that's how I got hooked on the on, on it. But 
I've always been an attorney and CPA, so I do a lot of business stuff as well. Gotcha. So what kind of brought you back to Battle Creek? I know you said you were born and raised here, but what yeah. kind of brought you this way? Uh, my mom got in a bad car accident. Uh, she was a paraplegic for 35 years, and uh, once she got in her accident, I moved home okay. to help take care of her. She passed away in January. I'm sorry to hear that. Yep. No, thank you. Um, so, yeah, that's what that what I do for a living. I can do anywhere in the country. That's so, awesome. So, yeah. Okay. So, do you guys work in every state, or I know you're primarily Michigan, but do you guys? I've work I've in worked in every state. I know I've had clients in Alaska, Hawaii, even Puerto Rico. Okay. Certainly a lot of clients. Still have a lot of clients in the New England area. Okay. But mainly Michigan, Indiana, Ohio right now. Okay. So I guess you said you kind of got into it and just because of, you know, one of your first clients. What were kind of the next steps from there when it came to building your business? Was it just the marketing? You know, I know you moved out this way after you sold your first business. Right. Well, with anyone, when you start your own, your first business and you're an entrepreneur, you, you'll pretty much take anything that walks in through the door. And I was just meeting with a new uh, accountant. I like helping out new new accountants. And I just had somebody in here earlier today and we were talking about her her new business and how she's getting clients. And she's pretty much like me. Anything that walks in through the door, you take them as a client. Mm-hmm. The issue though is getting paid. So, you know, I'll take a client in, but you got to make sure you're paid. So any re- the recommendation I have for for people that are starting out a new business is, is uh, you know what you may be good at, but stretch a little bit and try to do something different. Try to add to your services, but make sure you get paid. And getting paid up front is very important, especially in this this environment that we're in right now because uh, we're, we're going into, I think the economy is going to be slowing down. I could be wrong, but it might be slowing down. If that's the case, you'll see people not paying their bills. And you don't mm-hmm. want to be one of those people that they don't, they don't pay your bill. Right. right. So getting into the clients that especially that didn't pay their taxes, kind of what was, what would you say is the number one reason that they kind of got delinquent or behind on the taxes? Was it just they simply didn't pay or is it that they... Something dr- dramatic happened in their life. Okay. Uh, believe it or not, my I, I can name off the characteristics of my ideal tax resolution client. Usually a male who has filed bankruptcy in the last few years, has, you know, uh, three kids, Makes about forty-five, fifty thousand dollars a year. Self-employed, could have uh, drinking problems or, or uh, drug use problems. But that—that's something traumatic happened in that person's life. Usually, what happens is they they go down this road of self-destruction, accompanied by the fact that you know they, they have a job that's marginal. When I say marginal, they might be self-employed, but it's, it's they're only making enough money to pay the bills, and they start getting behind, and it gets worse and worse, and they just go down this cycle and of self-destruction and then they usually bottom out and that's when they come and see me okay. and usually have the irs it's, it's it sounds a little sad but usually have the irs knocking at your door they're they're threatening to levy everything and mm-hmm. and they come in and see me and and my goal is to get them out of that you know right. get them out of that problem get them cleaned up and get them back in uh becoming a uh, productive citizens right so someone comes in your office they're they hit rock bottom kind of what's the next step from there you know is it is it just you're calling up the IRS and you're you're helping them? It could you know, be. There's usually numbers. a four-step process I go through. Okay. The first step is a call phase one where I do an investigation. So you give me a, the authority to talk to the IRS. We sign a form. It's called a 2848 IRS power of attorney. You sign that. I contact the IRS. I find out what's going on. And then I kind of get an idea of what you should do. Uh, second step Usually, it's filing back tax returns. A lot of these people just don't not have not filed a tax return for several years. 
So you file your back tax returns. Third step is where I do a financial analysis. So um, you know you hear about people negotiating with the IRS where they pay pennies on the dollar to settle a debt. That's not true. Okay. Um, it's based on your facts and circumstances of each particular taxpayer. So I do a financial analysis. I ask a lot of questions about probably what you do as a financial planner. Mm-hmm. I ask a lot of financial questions about what your cash flow is and what your assets are and what your liabilities are. And then I match that up with what the IRS says you owe them. And I try to come up with a, a game plan. And my fourth step is usually when I negotiate with the IRS, I get involved, personally involved and start negotiating. You know, I don't want to say pennies on a dollar, but you try to negotiate a good deal. It might be an installment agreement. Mm-hmm. It might be an offer and compromise where you pay those pennies on a dollar. It might be, I might recommend bankruptcy. You can actually file bankruptcy on the IRS Okay. in certain circumstances. So gotcha. it all depends on what I think is the best route for you to take. Okay. So let's say someone went into like the installments, you usually how much, what's the duration of those installments? Is it usually like a couple of years? Is it, you know, I know IRS wants to be paid immediately. Oh, they want to be paid immediately. Yeah. Usually uh, the typical conversation I have with the IRS agent is, can you pay it off now? Can you pay it off in 30 days? Can you pay it in 60 days? Can you pay it in 90 days? Can you pay it 120? Can you pay it one year? Can you pay it in two years? And we and that it's, it's pretty common to, to negotiate an installment payment plan with the IRS for two years or five years. Okay, I do those all the time. The IRS has ten years to collect. So once you you're assessed a tax, and let's say you owe seventeen thousand dollars on your twenty two tax return, and it was filed on April fifteenth, two thousand twenty three, the IRS has ten years to collect. Okay, so they have until two thousand thirty three to collect. If they don't collect within ten years, then it just kind of falls off, and they can't collect anymore. State of Michigan is different. Once they file tax lien, it stays on there forever until the day you die. Okay. If you have any assets, they come wow. after those assets. Okay. Now, is the that ten year grace period, that ten year period, that you got to pay them back? Is that from when you last started paying the taxes? No. So if you haven't paid taxes in four years, is it you know basically you have six years left or? It's from the date of assessment. Okay. So if I filed, let's say I filed a 2016 tax return today, it'd be 10 years from today. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So from a personal client, you know, what's the biggest tax bill you've seen, you know, come through that they owed? Well, I had one client a few years ago, $3 million. Wow. She couldn't pay it. Uh, I'd assume so <laughs> if you get it on that big. So we started negotiating with the IRS, and we ended up paying the IRS $30,000. Okay. So that's like a penny on a dollar. It was a little less than 30000 so it was about a penny on a dollar, penny wow. on the dollar that wow. we negotiated there. Okay. That's unusual. Right. It doesn't happen. And the reason she owed that much money was payroll taxes. It wasn't income taxes. Income taxes, the most I probably had, I had a client a few years ago that owed, I think, $1.6 million. And we got that down to about $100,000. Okay. What do you think is like the average that usually comes in once they've kind of hit that rock bottom? Um, it's not uncommon for clients to owe between eighty dollars and $100,000 that come in to see me. Okay. If clients owe less than $10,000, it's almost not worth hiring me because it's expensive going through this process. I do a lot of work up front to negotiate with the IRS. When you walk in and start negotiating with the IRS, you want to have all the balls in your court. You know, you want to have all the answers. You want to be ready for, ready for battle. So it's very expensive. But um, but if you you know, I, I, it's not uncommon for a client owing eighty to a hundred thousand dollars or more. Okay. 
I mean, it's a, it's a fair question. How do you get paid? Is it just right. like a consultation fee kind of a deal no, or is a it an hourly fee or, uh, I do charge retainer and then I charge hourly. So let's say, for example, the uh, phase one where I just kind of find out what's going on with you and the IRS, that's $1,900. Okay. And they pay me that up front before I even, you know, do anything. And then once we do that, then I jump and we gather all the information. I have a minimum fee for tax back tax returns. I have a minimum fee for negotiating with the IRS and, and also, uh, you know, coming up with a plan. Um, yeah, that's, those are considered advisory services. Now, if I'm doing tax returns, that's considered maintenance. Okay. So if I'm just maintaining you from year in and year out, doing several tax returns, that's, you know, like I said, I consider that maintenance. And it's just like paying your utility bill. You, just, you know, something you pay me. And we like stru- structuring that as a monthly payment. So we, and, and you can call as many times as you want to. And we do your tax return at year, year end. And we do some tax planning for you. Okay. And then, um, but then if you get into a, a big tax problem, that's more advisory services. So we get a large retainer. I say large retainer. I mean, it's it's we estimate what our hours will be. Okay. Do you... I guess you kind of mentioned just doing tax returns. Do you do that for just anybody? Yeah. You know, if somebody oh, yeah, worked at Kellogg's or, you know, and they just wanted somebody to prepare their taxes. Yeah. yeah. We have several clients, several from Kellogg's. We have, uh, yeah, we do individual tax returns. Okay. Those are kind of legacy clients. We've had, you know, clients that have been around for a long time. Right. We continue to service them. Now, at what point do you think who have done it on their own, whether that's TurboTax or they've self-filed, at what point do you think it's worth reaching out to either yourself or another yeah. CPA? Yeah, I tell people to, uh, every time you have a major event happen in your life, get your tax return done professionally. So if you have a kid, you buy a house, you get a divorce, you get married. Mm-hmm. Those are major events in your life. And you should probably reach out and have a CPA do your tax return. Not not just anybody, but a CPA. Right. Um, and then uh, if, you, if you're able to do it yourself, you can ask the CPA that he or she will probably be honest with you and just tell you if you, you, know, if you did a good job in the past, keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like clients to do their own tax returns because that means that they're very attentive to their own finances and those, those are good clients. Right. You know, but we, we do lots of clients, lots okay. of individuals. Nice. Now kind of switching to more of the businesses, kind of going back to the clients that haven't done very well what were kind of the issues that they ran into when it came to back taxes and that kind of stuff? Is it the payroll tax? That payroll tax is a big in? thing. Yeah. I, I run into a lot of clients that are very parental in their attitude. They, they take care of their employees before they take their, take care of themselves or their own family. So they may uh, continue to pay employees and not pay their payroll taxes in. And it just builds and builds. And all of a sudden at some point in time, they get a phone call from the IRS and that kind of crumbles. And the people that walk away from that are the employees. The people that get stuck with it are the employer is the, the business owner. And he or she, they're strapped with a liability then that just closed down their business for good. They got to be very careful with that. So right. it's very important that you pay your payroll taxes. Pay all your taxes. Right. Your estimated tax payments, if you're on, on an individual tax return to you, pay your taxes. Do you think it's much more common for people to get into tax trouble if they're like a, a 1099 employee compared yes. to the W-2. Yes, yeah. Uh, self-employed individuals that just get 1099s, there, it's very common for them to get in trouble. What happens is they may have had a W-2 job working who knows where at, and they've lost a job for whatever reason, downsizing. So they know what the, they know how to make money. They're a good carpenter, a good electrician, so they start on their own, and they, they start doing work on the side, and they start getting paid, and it's, they get a 1099 and they don't claim the income and they don't pay their taxes and they just they don't realize that 
you know, if you're self-employed, you got to withhold your own taxes. Mm-hmm. You know, preferably, let's say, 30% on federal and 5% on the state. You just kind of set that money, money aside and you plan paying it in. That's when, you know, if you if you do have your own job, it's, you know, I tell people there's three, uh, four people that you really want to have become your friends. Your banker, your insurance person, your accountant, and your financial planner. So you, you do that, you, mm-hmm. you do financial planning, but uh, if anyone's starting their own business, they should go see their financial planner right away to see what, what monies they have available to them, how much they shouldn't touch. Let's say they have a little nest egg. Maybe part of that, they don't, you, you would maybe recommend that they can touch that, but don't mm-hmm. touch this other nest right. egg for your retirement. And likewise, uh, go see an accountant because you can find out uh, and determine the best way to keep your records. Again, the secret, right. I mentioned this earlier, the secret to reduce taxes is not somebody like me, it's keeping good records. And you want to work with your accountant on keeping good records. So I know you mentioned before too that you do a lot of business planning or you know, right. business consulting. Kind of what are some things that you do there when it comes to helping, especially someone who went from a W-2 job to, to, 1099. Now, to 1099. Right. Well, people meet down, meet, sit down with me and we, we talk about how they should structure their business, being an LLC, a corporation, sole proprietor. We talk about those, and we talk talk about the the optimal business structure. Talk to them about business financial planning and, and also retirement planning. But I don't do that type of work. I just talk to them. I kind of touch, and I try to get them in touch with somebody that can do that type of work for mm-hmm. them. And um, I do contractual work. I mean, I can write contracts too though i don't really do that i usually refer the work out i have a, a series of contacts both legals uh, uh legal advisors uh, I'm, I'm an attorney but i also have a lot of attorneys i refer work out to same mm-hmm. thing with accounting work i refer work out to other accountants i refer work out to financial planners so i, I re, the, people kind of come to me as a first stop destination and we talk about we do the planning together and we figure out who to bring into the, the mix here okay when you're gonna run a business gotcha yeah. Okay. So someone who's got a young family and they're looking to start a business, maybe they've, you know, been working for a family business that they're wanting to strive and make their own kind of, what are some steps that you would encourage them to take? Well, first of all, again, I mentioned earlier about going to talk, a fi- talk to a financial planner, an accountant, a banker, just make sure you are, you have the wherefore all to start your own business if you're going to do that. But I like, I like family owned businesses where, they work together as a team. So maybe the wife handles the finances, the husband goes out and does the selling of the product and he does the work. Uh, take for example, a carpenter. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if uh, you, got, you got a young family, young children at home, mom's staying at home with the kids, if she can take a little bit of time and help out with the finances and the billing and then have the husband go out and, and, and do the carpentry work or vice versa, the husband can right. stay home with the kids and the wife can go out and do the carpentry work, whatever. Uh, whatever, however it works out is best uh, for the family. But it's always good to have both parents be involved with finances. The reason being is that uh, in case something happens to one or the other. Mm-hmm. I, I've worked with a lot of older people. When I say older people, I'm old myself. I'm 65 now. But when I was a young, youngster and I was working with these 60-year-olds, uh, back in the heyday, only men handle finances. Women did not handle finances. So when the man finally passed away, the woman would be just left right. clueless about what to do with finances. It's changing. The attitude of, of society is changing quite a lot now. So you have a lot of women that are very financially savvy, which, which is really good. Yeah. And uh, you'll find men being, you'll find men that have as much problems with finances now as you do with women. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a fifty-fifty. 
Yeah, I think there was like a study that came out not too long ago that by 2030, I believe, or 2025, it was pretty pretty close that women would take over as holding the the bulk of the wealth. Oh, I can of, believe that. Yeah. yeah, with mainly the baby boomer generation, and then just women being in the workforce, you know, as millennials and Gen X. So. Yep. There's a huge transfer of wealth going on right now as we speak. And, and uh, yeah. So kind of one question I wanted to ask you as just, you know, a president, a CPA, attorney, you know, founding the business, you wear a lot of multiple hats. How do you balance all those responsibilities and ensure that, you know, you're providing high quality service for, you know, everybody you come in contact with? Yeah, I'm very fortunate that I have a very good workforce, uh, good employees working for me. And so we, we do a lot of education here. Everyone goes to, has continuing ed- education requirements here. We have two attorneys, two CPAs, two enrolled agents, and a few people that just kind of, uh, they're good accountants. Okay. Uh, but everyone has their addition, uh, continuing education. We do, uh, we try to have fun. We, once, a, once a month we try to do an outing, uh, office outing. We only work Fridays until noon. Okay. And then we're, except during tax season. Right. That's busy. Yeah, it's Can't busy. Anything about that. Uh, okay. But yeah, we, we try to, uh, everyone has their own family that we, you know, we're very aware of that family right. comes first. Yeah. That's good that you got a lot of other surrounding people that can kind of fill in. Cause I know, especially with people building their own business, it's usually they're the business and then they kind of surround themselves with some people to help you out. Yeah. Where it sounds like you got a lot of people that if you weren't, coming in tomorrow they would still be able to continue on yeah it may have been like that 20 years ago even 10 years ago but slowly we transitioned where yeah i don't even need to be here that's awesome all right so one of the last questions that i wanted to ask you and i ask kind of everybody who comes on is what is one piece of advice that you would give to a young family doesn't have to be attorney or tax minded it can be literally anything wow of course, I, I'm trying to think of a good answer there. The uh, one bit of advice, if you can work it out where if both spouses are working, if you can live off of one paycheck and put the other paycheck in the bank, then you, you are so far ahead of the game. And that's kind of actually the recommendation I give to young families now. Yeah. No, I agree. Especially when if it gives you that opportunity to potentially, you know, if one spouse wants to stay home right. with kids. Exactly. Yeah. And then two, it allows you the financial ability if you want to start a business or take some risk, you know, right. financially, it allows yeah. you to kind of do that. I just had a family call me the other day, a young family, and they're making both making very good money. I'd say she was making 130, he was probably making 80. So together they were making 210. Wow. But they were spending up to their whatever they made. And all of a sudden, he lost his job. Mm-hmm. So now they're in the hole. She's making very good money, but right. you know they, they don't have his $80,000 a year income now. He, he's making, I think he's picking up odd jobs here and there. He right. might be making 20000 a year. It's not, you know, you, you do not want to be in that situation. You want to be able to live on one income and put the rest in the bank. Yeah. And yeah, that just, that phone call took place yesterday with somebody. I think that's a great piece of advice. I know I try to live by that too. And then I encourage, you know, other clients. I know it's hard because they want to live that, you know, great lifestyle and be able to have the beautiful house and the nice cars. But they want to start where, you know, where their parents are left off at. It doesn't work that way. Yep. It takes time. Yep. Well, before we leave, kind of what's one way if someone wanted to reach out to you that they could reach out to you? 
Well, they can go to our website at 269tax.com. Again, 269tax.com. Or just uh, look us up on the internet, freshstarttaxsolutions.com. All right. Well, thanks, Chris. Thanks Thank for coming you very on. much. I appreciate you taking time. Thank you for listening to the Wealthy Homes Podcast. Be sure to click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Connor Bowsman or Preferred Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of Connor Bowserman or other qualified financial advisors with any questions you may have regarding this episode. Connor Bowserman is a licensed financial advisor and any of the investment advisory services offered are through Harbor Investments, member SPIC. Products and services provided are not NCUA insured, have no credit union guarantee, and may lose value. Consumers Professional Credit Union and Marshall Community Credit Union and Harbor Investments are separate and independent companies, and credit unions are not providing security services.